Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? We have been doing a series on the life of Joseph, okay, entitled God Meant It For Good. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Joseph, I highly encourage you to go back and read it in the book of Genesis, uh, specifically contained in chapters 37 through 50. Uh, I encourage you to get background to the story and at least start in around chapter 11 or 12. And if you go that far, just read the whole book. Um, but it's, it's a fascinating story of a young man that had horrific things happen to him, sold as a slave by his brothers instead of killing him. That was their first choice. And they relented and sold him as a slave. He spent the next 22 years separated from his family, his father believing he was dead. Because that's what the brothers had told him. Thirteen of those 22 years were sent as a prisoner and a slave. He was a prisoner for crimes. He was, he was unjustly imprisoned, shall I say. He did nothing wrong. Horrific circumstances in which God brings about something very good. God saves His whole family through this. And I encourage you, I'm not going to be going back through the whole story. That's kind of some of the highlights right there. Um, but it's a fascinating story. If you have not read it, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, it is a great story. One of the passages we've been starting with each week um, is from Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures. This passage, along with a, a, a parallel passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, which says very similar things, tells us that all these stories in the Old Testament are there for a reason. There's something that we can get out of them, that we should get out of them. And one of the main components of this is hope. That's what it says here in Romans 15. So that we could have hope. Now hope to me, I was just thinking about this before we started, I was standing in the back, and you know, I don't know what you think about when you think about hope, and uh, I think that hope is kind of the stepchild of the big three. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about there's faith, hope, and love. Okay? And it says very plainly, the greatest of these is love, and we tend to talk about that one the most. And then we talk about our faith. And hope is kind of like the stepchild who just doesn't get as much attention as the other two. You think that's fair? Guys, you know, I find in my conversations and when I hear people talk, we don't talk a lot about hope. We don't talk a lot about the hope that we have as followers of Jesus. And guys, hope is really a big thing. I mean, just ask yourself the questions. What do you hope for? What has Jesus promised you that is going to happen that you are having hope for on a regular basis or dare I say even a daily basis? You guys, let me read you a few things here. Before I do that, I just want to remind you of a quote from the movie The Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman's character, his name is Red. He's talking with Tim Robbins' character. And Tim Robbins is talking about hope and how it, it, it enabled him to look back on two weeks in the hole as a, as a walk in the park. And Red 
takes his spoon and points it across it at Tim Robbins' character, and I can't remember his name, and he says, hope's a dangerous thing there. And I don't have it exactly memorized, but he basically goes, don't you be talking about hope in here. These guys are in prison, and the stuff outside these walls, they don't need to be thinking about. That does them no good at all. Now, I don't know about you, but I've felt that way before. Where I go, hope is a dangerous thing. Have you ever hoped for something that didn't happen? Yes. Which time, right? Had a dream about achieving something, whether it's athletically or in school or in your career, and it, it, it just got squashed. It didn't go the way you thought. It didn't go the way you wanted. And what do you, how do you respond to the possibility of hoping for something after that? It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? Because if you hope for something and it doesn't happen, it's an, it can be an extremely traumatic event, depending on what it is and who you are and what your makeup is. Let me read a few passages here. These are not in your notes. They're not on the screen. I just want to read these to you. First one's in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 7. It says, Hope placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 4 says, Anyone who is among the living, has hope. And then in Lamentations chapter 3, I'm going to read an extended passage here. In this passage, I, I just got to tell you, uh, Jeremiah, the writer of Lamentations, he is lamenting. <laughs> okay, He is crying. He is singing the blues, however you want to say it. Then in verse 19, this is what he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yes, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Guys, when you look at those passages, and if you do a word search for the word hope in the Bible, it's used rather extensively. And just those small group of, of verses that I just read, you can very clearly see that what read said is true. Hope is a dangerous thing. If you place your hope in mortals or in men, your hope will die with those men. If you place your hope in God, 
good things are going to happen. And guys, we, you, you, I, I want to draw our attention to this. Okay? And maybe I just need to have more conversations with Bob over here because most of the conversations I have, we don't talk a lot about hope. And I want, I'd love to see that changed in the culture here at Greater Alton. Amen? It's there for a reason. Two other passages I want to look at, the guys that draw the significance of hope to us. And these are in the, in the notes, if you're looking at them. They will be on the screen. Yes. First one is in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. This is what it says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I'm just going to say real quick there, if you don't have much hope, you can't fulfill this passage. You can't tell them the reason you have hope if you have no hope. Second passage is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says, But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That sounds wonderful. If, uh-oh, the condition, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel. Guys, when you look at those two passages you can see that hope is supposed to be a major component to our faith, is it not? It needs to be something that we are, first of all, aware of and educated on, and something that we give attention to. Even to the point of being able to share with other people. Now, I just want to say, (laughs) I'm guessing not many of us are asked on a regular basis why we have hope. Do we? Are we? And I think the challenge there is to live your life in such a way that we are asked. Why are you different? Why are you smiling when everybody else is not? Are you sadistic? Why are you not concerned about the next election and the corruption in politics and the national debt? Because my hope is not in those things. Okay? You want to rise above all the crap in the news. You start looking at the fact that as a follower of Jesus, you're a citizen of His kingdom. And He's made some promises, unlike politicians, that are going to come true. That He is going to fulfill. And so guys, it's very significant. It's very significant. Guys, so the question is, how do I choose to have hope? I'm going to talk about four things today. The first one is, if I'm going to have hope, I know the stories. Romans 15.4, we've already read it once, but this is what it says. Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. I believe it is very appropriate if you have your Bible, or if you want to read this differently, if you want to read it and says whatever was written in the past was written for 
my instruction. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't think you do anything wrong there if you read it that way, because you are included in the word hour. The, these stories were written specifically for each one of us. It is a personal thing. They're not for the preacher to preach on Sunday morning. They're not for the Sunday school teacher just to teach on, on, in Sunday school or VBS or whatever leader you choose to follow. They are for you. And I think it's imperative that you know these stories. They are written so that you can have hope. I talked about this a little bit four or five weeks ago when we first started this series. And I looked at the life of Joseph and I thought, how does the life of Joseph give me hope? You see, because you can, you can misguide this and go, if I'm faithful to God, I'm going to have this great, incredible, material, physical blessing in this life the way Joseph did, you know, because he went from being a prisoner to running the country. And the Pharaoh gives him a wife and he gets respect because people went before him blowing horns and the law of the land was these people had to now bow down to him. I mean, he went literally from prison to the White House. And we can look at that and go, God is going to bless me in some tremendous way just like that. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't make that promise to every one of us. These stories that I'm talking about you knowing, they are full of men and women who did not receive good things like this. But they were considered faithful by God and they died without receiving everything that was promised. You see, so how do we look at this story of Joseph and say, how does that give me hope? Well, guys, here's a very simple way, and this is the story of Joseph, and these are, you'll see this all through the Old Testament, and the stories you see there, it's, it is a very generic explanation, but I think you'll find it's true. In all, all over the Old Testament, God does the same thing over and over and over again. You know what He does? He says, this is what I'm going to do. And then he does it. I mean, over and and most of the time, those two things are separated by a great period of time. He tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going to have... Lots of kids, like the the stars in the sky, the grains of sand on the seashore. There's more than you can count. And that happened. 25 years later, he had his first child. 25 years later. And you read all the difficulties he had in between there. And trying to do it his own way. But the truth of the matter is, God said he was going to do something. And God did it. You go on and on. He tells David, you're a man after my own heart. You're going to be the next king of Israel. And he was. And we don't have any idea how long it took. 
All we knew is that he spent most of that time running around the country as a fugitive, being hunted by the king he was going to replace. He tells Abraham, one of your seed is going to bless all the nations of the earth. And that happened literally thousands of years later when Jesus was born. And I can go on all day about this, guys. God said He was going to do something, and He did it. He told Joseph, your family is going to bow down to you. He told him that in Genesis 37, through two dreams that were the same, or they had the same interpretation, the same meaning. And 22 years later, it happened. And so guys, if you want to you want to have hope, you need to start by knowing the stories. In my struggle with depression years ago, this was key because I grew up with the stories and I've always been fascinated with the Old Testament stories and some of them might kind of get stuck on for a while. Is that not right? Orika, is that right? I get stuck on one story. <laughs> She's tired of hearing about Jehoshaphat. Okay? She's tired of hearing about it. She was in my small group for years and bam, that's what, anyway. Guys, these stories, in my depression, I was faced at the bottom with, do I really believe God or not? And these stories were in my head and I go, they have to be true. God has to be faithful. I have to trust Him and apparently I'm not. Guys, know the stories. That's number one. Number two is I have to know the promises. Okay? Know the promises. You see, because within these stories there are promises, and then there are also promises within God's Word that He has made to us. Now I'm going to speculate here a minute. I say that because... I believe you have to be clarity. The Bible doesn't, what I'm about to tell you, the Bible doesn't say specifically. I believe you have to assume it. I assume it to be true. Okay? And that is that Joseph knew the stories of his father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather. You see, his great-grandfather was a guy named Abraham, who I just told you about. God said you're going to be a father of, of many descendants. And 25 years later, it started. Isaac, his, his, his grandfather was similar stories. His father Jacob had stories of, of dreams and visions where he saw heaven opened up and a, and a stairway leading from heaven and angels ascending and descending and stories of God speaking to him, telling him, I'm going to bring you back to this land. I believe that Joseph heard these stories. He heard these stories and these promises being fulfilled. So when he knew that when God had made a promise to him, God was going to fulfill it. Do you ever wonder how people make it through things? Several years ago, uh, I started reading books. I'd actually been looking at the life of Joseph. And uh, I don't remember which year this would have been. Uh, whenever John McCain came out with his book, when he was running for president, and I was fascinated by the chapters on his imprisonment at the Hanoi Hilton, they called it. Okay? The prison camp in Vietnam. It was in Hanoi. They put the word Hilton on top of it. Uh, and I was just fascinated by this. And I started reading stories of prisoners of war. 
Because I have to ask myself, how did these guys stay alive? And one of the stories I read was it was a man by the name of Victor Frankel. He was a Jewish gentleman who survived uh, the concentration camp in Auschwitz, which is supposed to be the worst of all of Hitler's concentration camps. And in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he wrote that he discovered inside the camp that man can endure almost anything physically if he has something to hope for. And he went on to talk about the, 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 the people who lost hope. You could see it in their eyes. You know, they would get word that their spouse or their children or their parents had been killed. And you see, that's what was sustaining them was this hope that they were going to get to see these family members again. And when they were, when it was done, when they knew that hope was, was shattered, they would give up. Some of them would become sick very quickly. Some of them would just start walking or running towards the, the barbed wire fences and allow the prison guards to take their life. Guys, it just, it just amazed me because you, if you put yourself in that position, you put yourself in the position of being a prisoner of war and not knowing how long this war is going to go on, not knowing are you going to get out? Not knowing what you're going to find when you get out. Because some of these guys, they were served divorce papers while in prison. And I go, I understand, how do you get through this? And guys, you look at Joseph, and it was in a time when there was no rules of war. He was in jail. There were no civil liberties. There were no lawyers. He had no chance of getting out. How did he survive that? I believe, guys, because he knew the stories and the promises of God, and he knew that God was faithful. Let me read these passages to you because they're in the notes, and I probably should do that. Genesis chapter 28. God's talking to Joseph's father. His name is Jacob. He says, Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the east and the west, and to the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I believe Joseph grew up hearing this story and knowing that God had brought him back, his father Jacob back, just as God promised. In Genesis 37, this was the promise made to Joseph. It says, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And they knew what that meant. That, that, what that meant. Are we really going to bow down to you? It happened. And I believe that that's one of the things that sustained Joseph through those 22 years was that God is faithful to His promises. 
Guys, with that in mind, I ask you, what promises has Jesus made that you're holding on to? That you think about regularly? I was speaking with the teachers this morning, and I asked the question. It's a smaller group, and so people actually answered me. And Debbie Weiler speaks up, and she says that when we die, we get to go be with Jesus. Now, that's not surprising to hear her say that. She's got stage four cancer. Okay? Now, which, on a side note for her, by the way, they can't find any cancer cells in her, even though she's in pain, and she's only taking one pill a day. So her doctor told her, we can't agree you're disabled anymore. So she's going to have to go off disability and on to retirement. Okay? <laughs> she has a pension. It was, it was a positive thing. But guys, it's no doubt she's holding on to that. When she was diagnosed three or four years ago, she's like, I'm going to die. And she's holding on to that hope. She's focusing on that hope. I get to go be with Jesus. That's a good thing. And the truth of the matter, side note, truth of the matter is, I'm no doctor. I don't play one on TV. But I can tell you right now, you are going to die. The only difference between any of us in here that are healthy, okay, and, and, and Debbie, in her situation, is that Debbie has a better idea of how and when. But everybody in this room, unless Jesus comes back, is going to die. Alright? Jesus is the only person in history who beat death permanently. And guys, the really cool thing about that is He's promised that we will too. Yeah, we're going to die physically. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But there's this little thing called the resurrection. Little thing. Guys, it is the center of the Gospel. You take the resurrection out of it and I'm not sure what you have. I'm just being honest with you. Guys, the thought of coming back to life with a new body that the Bible describes as incorruptible and imperishable. To live eternally. At 56 years old, I'm holding out for that. I'm holding on to that. Guys, you want to talk about it? Just the fact that we're living eternally. You want to talk about living in a just world. Because there is a judgment that's coming. I'm holding out for that. I'm holding on to that hope. Because the Bible says, not only just followers of Jesus are going to be resurrected, everybody's going to be resurrected. But some people are going to be resurrected to eternal death. Because of the judgment. And what's left is a just world. You know, I, I talk bad about politics, and, I, and, I, and I'm equal. I don't care, Republican or Democrat. They all have their problems. It's called the human factor. Okay? And I know a lot of us pay attention to it. I pay somewhat attention to what goes on in Washington. And I, I would love to see this country be a true model of justice and fairness and responsibility. I don't have any hope of that happening because of the human factor. Okay, guys? 
eternity, that's going to happen. In eternity, the world will be just. Our existence will be pure. Guys, that's exciting. Um, there are other things. There is one, uh, the, the, we will, we are being transformed now to having more and more glory. That's a whole other topic. But basically it's becoming like God. It's reflecting God. It says there's going to be a transformation. One of the things in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned and ate the fruit, one of the things God said was, I can't let you live forever. So you're going to die. And what He was really saying was, I believe He was saying, this is an act of grace. You are not going to live forever in this corrupted state. I mean, seriously, do you really want to live forever in the world we live in? I don't. And so God says, you're not going to spend it here. Not as it exists now. Guys, on and on it goes. There's a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. And in this passage, Peter prior to this is talking about the people that got to see Jesus and got to experience Him. And he's stating that as the proof of these people's faith. And he's going on, he says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Guys, if you want to have hope, if you want to choose to have hope, you need to know the promises that God has made. And Peter here is very specifically pointing back to the words of the prophets in the Old Testament. Men like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel. And so guys, if you want to have the hope that God's holding out for us here, you need to know the promises. Third thing, if I'm going to choose to have hope, I live faithfully. I live faithfully. Guys, a phrase in the story of Joseph that is used a couple of different times, we find here in Genesis 39, it says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. It goes on and it says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. How did he make it through? How did he survive this time? He trusted in the hope that God gave, the promises that God gave, and he faced each day living faithfully. You go on in Psalms 105, it gives us a little bit more insight. In verse 19 it says, Until the time came to fulfill the dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. You see, guys, God had big plans for Joseph and He was wanting to put him in, or planning on putting him in charge of all of Egypt. But He didn't want a man in charge with poor character. 
And so he used this time to shape Joseph's character. Is he going to live faithfully in crazy circumstances, in lousy, horrific circumstances, so that I can trust to live faithfully in comfortable circumstances? Guys, you want to know. You want to have hope, you live, you live faithfully. Guys, because when you are living faithfully, what you are saying is, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that I'm your servant. I'm trusting that you have given me resources according to my abilities. That's what it tells us in Matthew 25. And I'm trusting that I will be judged by how I use those resources. More specifically, do I use them in a way that you would want me to use them? And you act each day based upon that. You see, God, the truth is, each one of us has multiple opportunities a day where we have an opportunity to be Jesus in somebody else's life. And you, all you gotta do is open your eyes. It is just as, and once you get in the habit, it rolls. It really is, guys. And it's exciting and it's fun. My wife and I, we, uh, if you know my wife at all, my wife is very task oriented. Okay? She, she decides what needs to be done, and then you can either help her or get out of the way. Those are your two choices. And so, uh, my wife has been on the task of cleaning out our garage. I'll spare you the details of how it's gotten that way. But we had two dryers in our garage. One of them belongs to our son. Uh, the other one we had plans for it at the car wash that we own. Uh, last week, I got it out of the garage, took the one to the car wash. One left. She puts it on Craigslist. She loves to work on Craigslist. And uh, she gets, gets a lady calling saying, Hey, I have a relative uh, in Florissant, in North St. Louis, and... He would, he would like this, but he doesn't drive, doesn't have a truck. You deliver it over to him. Well, we happen to be going to the airport to pick up our daughter the next day. Yeah, we're going right by that. We can drop it off. And Susan was talking to him, you know, it was, it was an older gentleman. That's all we knew about him. And so, uh, Susan and I both were like, we'll take it there. We'll give it to him. I mean, it's only 50 bucks. You know, let's give him the dryer. I mean, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. When, when husband and wife both agree that quickly, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Even though we're just 50 bucks. I mean, you need to know God's talking to you when that happens. At least in my house. And so we do it, you know, and this guy is just blown away. And later in the day, we get a phone call from the relative that originally called Susan, and she left the voicemail and says, she's thanking us, and she goes, I cannot remember when he's been so happy. I mean, that's something very small. But it was like, we get to be Jesus. We get to be Jesus. We get to live faithfully with something extremely small. You have hope. It builds your hope. Look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25-27. through It says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. 
and be steadfast in all your ways. Don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And guys, I really want to focus in on when it comes to living faithfully for Jesus. Sometimes that's overwhelming. It's literally a one day at a time process. And if you want to put it smaller than that, it's a one step at a time process. But he says right here in the second half of verse 25, he says, fix your gaze directly before you. And what I like to do with that is what's in front of you right now? You see, because you may not have a dryer in your garage that you're looking to get rid of and the same set of circumstances that I just described for me, but there is something directly in front of you that calls for you to live faithfully. And guys, this is incredibly exciting to trust Jesus and to live for Him. The last thing, guys, you want to talk about if you're going to choose to have folk is to believe and accept God's encouragement. Believe and accept God's encouragement. After Joseph has revealed himself to his brothers, and again, if you haven't read this, you've got to go back and read it, because it is, it is great. He gets his, his brothers don't know who he is, and he gets them terrified of him. And then when they're just, when then, then when they're convinced they're gonna die, he go, he, he orders everybody else out of the room and he goes, I'm Joseph! I'm your brother! And you can just see the go, how could this get any worse? It just did. I mean, it is almost comical. But on the heels, of, I mean, immediately after he reveals himself to his brothers, do you know what he does? Don't be mad about this, guys. Don't be upset. Don't be afraid of me. God did this. You meant it for evil. God intended it for good. This famine's going to go on, and we've just saved your entire family. This is awesome. And I think his brothers are still going, What? Guys, he's encouraging them. Now, the... The reality of the situation is that 17 years later, after their father dies, the brothers get together and they're like, I think he just said that because dad was still alive. I think now we're going to get it. We're going to get it. And so they get together and they go before him and they say, we're your servants. Look, we're really sorry for what we did. We deserve to be killed, but we just want to be your servants. You know, let us live. And this is Joseph's response again. It says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and spoke kindly to them. You see, guys, in this life, we are going to have circumstances that are going to call us to question what's going on. They're going to call us to doubt the promises that Jesus has made. They'll call us to doubt the hope that He gives. 
And that can happen in, in multiple ways. But just like in the situation with Joseph here, where he reassures her brothers, God reassures us. And guys, we, we've, we've got to look at that. None of us deserve what Jesus promised. Did you know that? And the minute you think you do, He'll show you you don't. And guys, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is another one of these passages I've been stuck on in the past and still continue to go back to it. But guys, it is, it is a significant passage when it comes to understanding what's going on. Because in the life of Joseph, I believe he had to go, God, you made these promises to me. I, they're supposed to bow down to me. I'm supposed to be somebody important. You're supposed to use me in some big way. And first I was a slave, and yeah, things are going well there. And now I'm in prison, and, and, and nothing good is going on here, God. And we find ourselves in circumstances like that to go, what is this all about? Why is it not easier? Why are not things working out better for me? 1 Peter 4.12 says, Don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as if something strange were happening to you. Okay? Accept it. Believe it. James 1 tells us to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And here in Hebrews 12, this is what it says, guys. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Stop right there. Do you know how you know about those great cloud of witnesses? Know the stories. Know the stories. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay? Stop right there. Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He's talking about living faithfully. Okay. He goes on, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Here it comes, guys. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. You see, guys, and I've had this conversation with more people than I can count. More people than I can count. Hard times, difficult times are proof that God is accepting you as His child. If you're trying to live for Him and things are difficult, He is encouraging you. Obviously, I'm not including hard times that you bring on yourself. But guys, things don't always work out the way we want. But they will. 
Guys, the challenge is, will we accept that? See, because the writer of Hebrews asked the question, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? Maybe the question I need to ask is, do you believe the word of encouragement? Have hope in what God has promised. Live faithfully today. Guys, as we close out today, I hope you're excited. I hope you're challenged and encouraged to dig into the Bible and look at what God has to say. If you don't know the stories, get to know the stories. If you think you know the stories, go back and look at them again. Find out the promises of God that I've only touched on here today. Choose to live faithfully and be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, it is exciting to live as Your servant. Father, I can say this with all my heart, it is a joy to give up the life that I want and instead choose to live faithfully with what You put in front of me. Father, I want to continue that. And Father, I want Greater Alton, the Greater Alton Church, the, the followers of Yours that meet here on Sunday mornings. For that to be a characteristic that's known of us. That we embody and reflect the true hope that You have and people can see it in how we live and our joy and our excitement and our low stress level our lack of worrying. And they ask, what's going on there? Father, they can see us living faithfully. And go, Why do you do that? Why do you forgive? Why do you overlook? Why is there less drama around you than there is other people? Because I'm a servant of Jesus. Father, it's my heart's desire to see us known as a church that's this way. Father, I pray You touch us. Move us where You want us to be. And we have the hope that You offer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.